the journey of the prophet today on the Weekly Kingdom Outlook. Let's get started. Greetings, folks. Apostle Lewis here with you. And, you know, I've been teaching on finances for, I don't know, eight weeks now or so. But uh, today, I just feel like breaking from that a little bit. I got my coffee. It's in the afternoon. This is my uh, try to stay awake coffee. I got School of the Prophets tonight. The link uh, how to sign up is right here in this JPEG. So go ahead and do what it says and then download the Gate Church of Jacksonville app and jump into the group. We'll get you into the messaging because we do it on Zoom, but we broadcast it on our Gate Church of Jacksonville app if you're not in the Zoom link. But if you're not in the Zoom link, then unfortunately I cannot, we're, you're not going to get prophetic ministry because we really want to prophesy, but we want you in the Zoom link to do that. All right, I have a little sip of this. I'm really excited about the school. I'm getting such good feedback and people are hungry. And But I want to talk a little bit just briefly today in this week's um, Kingdom Outlook just to talk about the journey of the prophet. By the way, it's a journey of every minister. And I, I really think there's some really uh, good uh, um, uh, maturing prophets coming to light. Now, I was ordained a prophet in 2002, so I've been a prophet the actually January first this next year will be twenty years ordained as a prophet, and and um, I think a lot of people think because they're prophetic that makes them a prophet. That doesn't make them a prophet. A prophet in the New Testament is a government office, like the apostle, like the evangelist, pastor, teacher. Prophets and apostles are to lay themselves down for the foundation of the church, and uh, not to be the heads, but to be in the foundations. Never once uh, refers to them as the heads. But as the, I don't believe, unless you can show me scripture, it does. But they're God's messengers. And, you know, I, I, I have this heart for raising up a prophetic community, a prophetic culture. I do this on Tuesday nights. I do it with everyone around me. Man, I just got back these last two weeks. I went to Tuttle, Oklahoma. And it's so, so wonderful to have a hungry people. And I... The one thing God has me moving into is something I didn't move into. Uh, I've moved in the last 10 years, and now I feel more comfortable in it. Um, and I'll explain that a little bit. Uh, something that was actually prophesied to me in 1996. So I want to talk about how do you process these things? How do you move into these things? What are some of the things that can delay them? Why some things that God speaks to us is for way off and that the church tries to not understand the prophetic structure of language and how that works. And all this stuff is really frustrating because, to be honest with you, there's a lot of prophetic people who don't understand it either. And so we always would, we had this understanding. God might prophesy something to me, but it might be for season 15, but I'm only in season 9. And I can't go to season 15 yet, Mike, because there's a maturing process God takes me through. And because of this, we, we kind of um, get discouraged. We get uh, we don't see it right away. Therefore, it must not be God. Or, you know, I didn't see it the day after, and no one called me out to be a prophet the next day. And I went to my pastor, and I told him I was a prophet. He said, well, that's too bad. And he didn't let me prophesy, and I didn't hear anything. And there's just a whole lot that goes into the maturing 
and uh, the developing of your calling, not just your gift. Now, look, you can prophesy by the gift of prophecy. But if you're a prophet, if you're an apostle, if you're an evangelist, pastor, teacher, these things, you know, we see the writings of the apostles, but we don't realize they wrote these some 25 to 35 years after Jesus died. They didn't write it right away. They were learning. They were processing. They were trying to figure this stuff out, just like me and you have to at times. But also, it's not figure out doctrinally. It's 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 the maturing of our spirit in God, our gift in God, our calling in God. And I think a lot of times people are in too big of a hurry. So I don't want you to be in a hurry. I don't want you to be sluggish, because as long as you keep pursuing, you can't be sluggish. I want. I, I love this one. Thing is about the Apostle Paul. Now, what you have to understand about the Apostle Paul is he was Paul, called to be an apostle. But he doesn't step into his apostolic calling right away. Now, you got to know some history of Paul, the soul of Tarsus, was a student in the school of the prophets with a Pharisee named Gamil. Gamil's mentioned he's one who tries to defend the apostle somewhat and says, look, brothers, don't. You might find yourself kicking against God if you do this thing. And Paul was one of his students. We know this from historical records. And um, what happens is Paul's going to get a word from the Lord, and, and it's given to him right in the beginning. And But Paul, in this vision God gives him, it's going to take them somewhere around 20-something years to fulfill it. Now, just so you know for a sake of reference, chapter 9 of the book of Acts to chapter 15 of the book of Acts, which is Paul, in that time, Paul has his first trip to Jerusalem and his second trip to Jerusalem. We know this because of Galatians chapter 1. Okay, We know that he went at three years after his conversion, it says he just met with Peter and James, the brother of Jesus. The only two apostles he met. And then we know in chapter 15, he goes for the full council, uh, the full group of apostles. They all meet because they're going to discuss circumcision or not. And he says that happened 14 years after, so there were 17 total years. So from chapter 9 to chapter 15 of Book of Acts, believe it or not, is 17 years. 17. And you can read that sometimes and think it was instant. And it wasn't. And this is the thing that kind of throws off many, many people in the body of Christ because, number one, Jesus is coming back at any moment and it's all going to be over and i got to fulfill it. No, you're going to be faithful what he has before you now. Okay? And I, I don't know when Jesus is coming back. I wish that wouldn't be our focus. I wish our focus was the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, and the kingdom. So let's read Paul's encounter. Let's read uh, chapter 9 a little bit, and then we're going to go to see Paul... Um, what Paul says near the end, and I'm also going to show you a transition when Paul goes from one calling to the next, and because it's important to understand that God might have something for you down the road, but right now you're in a different position, and you're, that thing is getting birthed in you. All right, so obviously we know Saul of Tarsus um, under threats, and let's, let's just go back to let's go back to one. We've got time, and I really would like to take the time. To unfold this a little bit for you. All right. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to his high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that he 
found any who were of the way, which is what they were called before they were called the Christians, they're called of the way, whether men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against a goat. Now, what a goat is, if I know this properly. If you ever seen like um, uh, Braveheart, and they have these long, long giant staffs that are point on them. Those are the goats. And they'd use it to poke sheep and stuff like that. But if you kick against it, ow! And they would use them uh, against the enemy where they'd stick them in the ground, lay them down. And when the enemy came with the horses, they'd stick them up. And that's how they would get the horses or the guys. I know you don't really want to hurt horses. Who wants to hurt a horse? I love horses. So, all right. And so you can't kick against these things. In other words, it really, it's, it's, it's hard for you to do that. All right. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Okay. <clears throat> and the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were open, he saw no one. But they had led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, neither ate nor drank. Now, there was a certain disciple of Damascus named Ananias. And to him, the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. So, he, so the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for the one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. Can you imagine this? And this is so stunning. I don't think we just pause and think about this. Your enemy gets struck by God. One of the reasons I believe God wants us to love our enemies is because we really don't know if they're going to, we don't know his plan for them not to be our enemy forever. Maybe that's just a thought. And he, in a vision, he has been seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who are called on your name. But the Lord said to him, go for he is chosen vessel of mine. Say this with me. I am God's chosen vessel. Do you know that God chose you? This is one of the keys uh, of being an effective prophet, apostle, any fivefold ministry, any, any Christian. Why? Because if you don't realize God chose you, you're going to still think that you have to earn his choosing. Now, you have to be faithful. The reason most people don't get to the other level is even though God called them, they don't choose their calling to pursue it and to seek it. Okay? So let's put it this way. God calls you to be a doctor. If you decide not to get good grades and be educated and go to school and go to college and take the required courses and you never become a doctor and you go, God, it's your fault. God's going, no, you chose a different path. Your path was yours to choose. When I called you to be a doctor, you had a change of course. You wanted to be a rock star. You don't want to be a doctor. You chose music. You chose, but you never fulfilled what I called you for. Same thing if I'm called to be a prophet. And I go, and I'll just give you a story. I would, because I was submitted to my pastor at my church, 
and I believe the Lord wanted me to go to his monthly mentoring. He had a monthly, it was the first Monday of every month. Uh, you'd have a morning session, an afternoon session. And I, and I actually loved them, but he was really equipping people to be pastors, not prophets. And even though I've been faithful to that, even though I've been to church 10 years, even though I served faithfully, gave faithfully, um, did all those things, he did not know what to do with me because I was called to be a prophet. And that's just the way it is. All right. Um, so he says this. He says, listen, listen to what he says. But the Lord said to him, go, for he's my chosen vessel of mine to, to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my namesake. Wow. You know, it's one thing to say, well, we have the name of the Lord. It's another thing to suffer so it gets perfected in you. I'm really enjoying my coffee. And pray for my friends in India. Hold on. Pray for India. India. Lord, I thank you for Ernest, Nishan, and all the people we met there. I pray, Lord, that you bless them in India. I hope we go back. Me and Todd, I hope we get to go back to them, Lord. I thank you for them. They're so wonderful and so hungry for God. We just want to go back. All right. Sometimes you're going to go through stuff. Now, most people don't have the spiritual girth to handle God showing them the things before they happen that they might suffer if they pursue the path. And that's just true because we live in a, in a church age where God would never make me suffer. By the way, I've been shot. By the way, so, so you know, three months before I was shot, on May 10th, was it May 10th? May 12th, 2010. Before I was shot, the Lord spoke to me in an eight-day prayer vigil I did up at Morningstar. I didn't go to meetings. I just stayed in my room. On that eight-day vigil, the Lord told me that the enemy was going to try to take my life. I had three intercessions, intercessors, Margaret Burke, Carrie Rabb, and uh, Mary Webb. Thank God for these three women who I asked them to diligently pray for them, told them what the Lord spoke to me. And I'm convinced that their prayers, along with Jesus Christ, saved my life. And I owe them that whole debt of gratitude to them. And I think that the problem we have is we don't, most people can't handle those things. They can't, God can't tell them beforehand. He did tell me. So I think I can tell you that I was able to handle it. All right. <clears throat> and he says this. And Ananias went his way and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. And received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. Because remember, okay. And when he had received food, he was strengthened. And then Saul spent some days with the disciples in Damascus. All right, now we can go how Saul goes out and he starts preaching Jesus. But he's not moving in his apostolic calling yet, okay. He's being strengthened. He's learning. He's He says that he spent three years basically in isolation with the Lord. He wasn't traveling. Now... Turn with me to um, the book of Acts chapter 13. All right. And in here we're going to see Paul is listed among teachers and prophets, but not apostles. So listen. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. 
Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, uh, Lucius of Cyrene, Men, I don't even know how to say that, Manain, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul, as a minister to the Lord, and fasted. The Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them, and they sent them away. Okay, it's later on after this that we now start seeing the Apostle Paul emerge. And I just want you to see that. Go do for your own study. I'm not here to do all your studying for you. But I do want you to see that Paul was once a prophet or teacher, at least, before he was known as um as a uh, an apostle okay and he had to kind of he had, he had to kind of defend himself at times because there were those who uh who didn't like Paul calling himself an apostle they were saying you know well he didn't really see the he wasn't one of us uh and all that so um i want you to read um uh, with me, I'm going to see. Um, I want to make sure. Okay. I want to go to chapter 26 of the book of Acts. By the way, if you have not made it all the way to the back of Acts, please do. Please, please, please do. Read the book of Acts. Okay. Read it, read it, read it, read it, read it. It's really important. Okay. A lot of people, you know, you have to. I always tell people, study the life of God's chosen vessels if you want to learn how God works through us. And what most people do is they just take a prophecy and they don't realize there's a whole process. I always tell people, look, you would never eat chicken or fish if you saw a processing plant because it's ugly. That's why God does it to us in secret and not in front of everybody because it's ugly what he has to pull out, what he has to cut out, what he has to deliver us from. Mm. Okay then. Hallelujah. Let's go a little farther here. Now, Paul is going to be now, uh, he's going to be talking to Agrippa, the king. And this is the first king. I think it's the only king Paul really ever addresses. But I just want you to see what Paul says. And I want you to hear it because it's, it's vital. It's important for us to hear this as it, as it has significance to us. Okay. Something's beeping over here. Okay. I don't think it's me. I think it's... I've got enough equipment around this room that I can light up a whole city. All right. Acts 26, 12. While thus occupied... He's, he's going to recount his conversion. Um, I, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority commission from the chief priest at midday, O king, along the road, I saw light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But arise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make, listen, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I have yet to reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people, as well as from the Gentiles, who I now send you, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and the inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. In other words, not everybody is. Okay? All right. 
Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea, and then to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance. For these reasons, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. Therefore, having obtained help from God, to this day I stand, witnessing both to small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses would come, that the Christ would suffer, that he would be, be the first to rise from the dead, and would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. Now, as he thus made his defense, Phetus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Hmm. Much learning is driving you mad, but he said, I am not mad, most noble Phetus. But speak the words of truth and reason. For the king, before whom I also speak for you, King Agrippa, um, he says, knows these things. For I am convinced that none of these things escape his attention, since this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. Then the, the king, then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that you not only now to you but also all who hear me today might become both almost uh, come both almost and altogether such as I am except for these chains when he had said these things the king stood up as well as the governor and Bernice and those who sat with them and when they had gone aside they talked among themselves saying this man is doing nothing deserving of death or change then Agrippa said to Phetus this man might have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. All right. What's the point? He had, he was faithful to the vision. Now, when was that vision? Well, a vision somewhere around 38, 39 AD, somewhere in there, roughly. That's just a real rough estimate. Okay. It's now around 54, uh, somewhere around there. Okay. So it's 15, maybe 20 years, but let's say just safely say 15 years later. He was faithful to the heavenly vision. I'm sorry, 64. So it's, it's actually 64. So it's 25 years later because um, Paul's Nero is in power and that's that's who kills him. It's like 64 to 68 or somewhere in there. What's my point? Here's my point to you. I want you to hear me. God has called you. It's called me called you. You might not even be aware that he's called you. But he's called us all with a heavenly calling to holiness and to righteousness and to be in him. That's the calling number one. In that calling, God also chooses your life in a sense. For me, I can't make myself an apostle, prophet, and I hate saying that. I really do. But something happened to me. I want to tell you about my calling. I was Told in 93 to be a prophet. I was called to be a prophet. Didn't tell anybody. I've got plenty of words on it after that. You know, 95, 96, 97, 98, 99, 2000, 2001, 2002 ordained, uh, really January 1st, 2003, because Randy took a long time that night. Um, and I was called. And I want you to understand that. But when they called me, they started speaking about apostleships. And then now I start getting all these calls about apostleship. And in 2012... I spent 32 months, what I call the dark night of the soul. I wish it was just a night, but it wasn't night. It was, a, it was, it was two and a half years of prayer, 
pain. What had happened in 2009 or 2010, might have been three and a half years, actually, or close to three and a half years. The Lord spoke to me and said, would you take, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't know if you want me to be an apostle or prophet. I don't know how to move and, and flow like this. Sometimes I go, I feel, I just feel the prophet's anointing. Sometimes I feel the apostle's anointing. I don't know how to do this. And the Lord said, would you take off these garments? And I said yes to the Lord. This is in a book I wrote. I don't sell it anymore. I'm going to redo it one of these days. And I said, Lord, okay. And then a month after that, I said, Lord, do you have these garments? You gave them to me. And the Lord said to me a month later, so I'm going to crucify. You're going to be crucified. He didn't say I'm going to crucify. He said, you're going to be crucified. And I was. Went through a dark summer. And then... In 2012, in December, I told the Lord, Lord, I really need a shift. I don't know if I could stay in this position. Now, I don't know if the Lord was just waiting for me to do that. If it could have been early, I don't know. But the Lord, in the first week of December 2012, said, I want you to do a New Year's Eve meeting, and I'm going to mantle you with something fresh. And I did. Uh, that New Year's Eve, I had this glorious encounter with God while I ministered, where I felt a new mantle garment come upon me. And it was my apostolic and prophetic woven together. And I didn't have to switch garments. Now, I know that's going to sound really strange for people, but people don't understand mantles and that's for another teaching. When the Lord did that to me, I could both move in miracles. I could I could do both. I could move as my in my apostolic healing ministry, and I could move in my prophetic ministry. I could move in both. So I don't I didn't feel as odd. Now I don't know in a meeting God might have me just moving prophetically. Sometimes in a meeting might have me doing healing. It that's fine. It wasn't for you. It was for me because I felt odd. Okay, something wasn't set right in me. Not I I think that the Lord wanted another part of me. And that part was my reputation. And I started getting lied about by, 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 by the way, by the guy I started the gay church with. Found out later he had stolen money, but he just started lying about me left and right. And the Lord would not let me defend myself in the pulpit. And I remember, and I remember driving and just kind of crying out to the Lord, go, Lord, He's taking my reputation that I've really worked hard for. Like, I, I, I try to be a man of integrity. And the Lord spoke to me so clearly, it annoyed me a little bit. But he said this, I made myself of no reputation. I had to think about that. And, I, and then this was the wisdom, or this is the answer I, in myself. Oh, when I told you you could have everything... You even want my reputation. I said, okay, look, it's yours. I, I feel like I was withholding that from him. Now you go, Lou, don't you want to have a good name? I do. But, but to be an apostle, prophet, you're going to get, look, I, I look at Bill Johnson and how people speak against him. And all I know from Bill, he's the nicest guy I've ever met in my life. And I love him. It's been so gracious. Him and his wife, the whole team out there. I didn't, it's not that I want to have a bad reputation, but 
if my goal is a good reputation and my goal is not oneness with Christ, they're going to collide. Because I might, I might not, in wanting a reputation, I might not be willing to do what God says to me do because it might give me a bad name. And he wanted that. It's so, it, you might think, oh, no, that's no problem. No, let me tell you what. The Bible says to have a good name and a good reputation. But it says Jesus made himself of none of these things. And that was stunning to me. And so in that, I had to really learn what it meant to walk with the Lord in such a way that I had to trust him even for Realize this. You know, when I went through the stuff with Todd in 2019, I mean, I was getting, I mean, I, there was one guy who came out against Todd and said, oh, if I had known, I would never have been with him in L.A. Bull crap. He was offered the opportunity to know. He didn't want to know. He wanted the money. And then he actually accused me of something. And Todd said, no, that never happened. And that gentleman's divorced now. Look, I'm just telling you, you're going to get attacked. And the reason why they were trying to attack me is they were trying to separate me from Todd. They wanted Todd isolated with no one around him to deal with him. No one to protect him. No one to speak for him. They wanted to crucify Todd. What they really also wanted was Rick Jordan or Bill Johnson to come out. And I didn't want them to. I felt they had offered themselves enough to this crap and that the Lord had called me to do it. And so that was it. I just, that was it for me. And, um, you know, um, but, you know, I, I, I introduced myself as Apostle Lewis. That's for the religious spirits. I tell people when they're with me, they go, what should I call you? Lewis is the best thing to call me. But have the honor in your head. Have it in your heart. Honor. Why? Because you can't receive from someone you don't honor. That's just the truth. This is why if, you know, if we lie, if we cheat somebody, if we lie to somebody, you're not just breaking that relationship. You could damage that person from ever receiving from another minister again. And that's going to be on you. It's not going to be on them. You go, well, they should just forgive it. No, you damage something. And we should not be damaging people that way. We're never flawless. I get that. But if, you know, I always just try to walk in the utmost integrity of heart. But I don't make myself a reputation of it. You know, um, I hope that those around me know I do. Hope they're not going, he's a lying, stinking creep. But at the same time, sometimes I have to speak stuff that is very difficult. I got to hear stuff first that's very difficult sometimes to hear. And I don't think everyone is comfortable with that. I am at this point. I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with being uncomfortable in Christ. And uh, I don't think everyone is comfortable with being uncomfortable in Christ. I think some people are terrified of being uncomfortable. I've learned to accept it from the Lord. And so I don't want to always be uncomfortable, but the comforter is really good. Um, I hope that helps you in the calling and seeing that. What's the purpose of this? Okay, you've got a word. You got a word 15 years ago. When was the last time you looked at the word? By the way, I, I, I was listening to words given to me today. Why do I want you to do that? Because I believe in this season that there's a there's a season right now where God wants to breathe on those things. Now, you have to you have to pick them up, you have to put them back, you got to dust them off your prophetic words and start praying into them and speaking again. You know, and you got to start believing. I, 
this last weekend and or two weekends ago in Tuttle, Oklahoma, man, I prophesied over so many people, stood over someone and said 25 years ago, God called to be a prophet. And, they were da, da, da. and people are coming up to me time and time again. Oh my God, you don't know how accurate you are. And I'm laughing and I'm going, well, yeah, I do. Uh, to deny the Lord. Now, I know it's not because I'm so amazing. I am amazing, but that's not the reason for the gift. God is good. And I know this. This is my attitude when I minister. You love them. You can use me like a donkey if you need to so they can hear your voice. I'm okay with that. I just want you to have your people. And because I put myself in that position, um, it's both the gift of my life and the calling of my life, but just the, the yielding of my life. And so for me to sit there and go, you know, God isn't going to, you know, speak to me accurately doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't compute to me because I know how much God loves people. He loves his people. He loves you so much. I want you to blow the dust off those prophetic words. I want you to get a notebook. I want you to start transcribing them, getting them down. I want you to, um, I want you to start uh, remembering them. I'm just looking at all the people gave me words. There's so many wonderful people gave me words in here. And, and I want you to do that. I want you to make this you know, journal. I, I got so many more in there in audio that I haven't transcribed yet, but they're on my audio. They're on my voice memos. There's stuff that people give me in church. I'm so grateful for, you know, especially, you know, obviously for my wife, who doesn't prophesy to me, by the way. We don't prophesy to each other. We talk to each other. But those that have been around me um, in my life, I've, some, I've had some wonderful women around me in Margaret Burke, Sherry Shutt, Mary Webb, Carrie Rabb. But I'll tell you, the three of those four literally kept me from death. But also my mother, Martha-in-law, my mother, Kathy's mom and father, and Randy and Kathy Lechner, and Bill and Benny Johnson. And these people have spoken over and over and over and over and over again in my life. And um, I'm so grateful for those people who did that and who have done that. And... Um, and and really, um, um, really, really, really grateful for it. So those things I want you to understand. I want you to know. I want you to hear. Your life's not over yet. So let's keep breathing. Let's keep pursuing God. Let's keep running after God. Hey, remember, thanks for, if you made it all the way through this, you've done a great task in yourself. But look, I'm gonna, you can go to lewisdc.com if you want to sow into the ministry. And please do. I mean, I mean, really. I, I so believe in sowing. Um, I do it. Okay? You know, I do it. I sow. And uh, I have so many wonderful people around me. But you can do it, you know, go to lewisdc.com, hit donate, and you can do it. And you could sow. There's a whole bunch of different ways to give. And I appreciate when you do. Because what does that do? Well, I go out and preach. I usually get an offering. But... When I go overseas, it's you know that's what pays for it. Like when I go to Todd, Todd doesn't pay my plane tickets or my hotels. I gotta pay for that. So uh, my partners, and if you want to partner, look at if you want to partner with me, just become a partner for twenty five dollars a month, and you get almost all my digital teaching series, almost all of them. And I'm I'm getting ready to, this week. I'm gonna spend some time writing up um, the ancient pathways uh, manual. And then I, I've got a whole bunch of videos done for faith. So I'm going to do that one. So those are two more school parts that are going to come out. And and then um, I'm right now I'm doing uh, on Sunday morning, and I'm teaching in series, which I hadn't done for a while, by the way. I hadn't done series teachings in quite a while. The Lord has me doing that. Uh, 
but um, and then you get a lot of free stuff as well. But $25 a month, you don't think that matters. Maybe you want to give $50 a month, $100 a month, whatever. You don't think that helps? That amazingly helps us. And what it does is that um, I, Todd wants to go to Ukraine and he wants me to go with him. Well, okay, that's going to be about $2,500 to $3,500, you know. And uh, my partners are the ones who get me there. And, um, and I really appreciate that. So um, it's, it's really a treat. And would you just keep me in prayer, me and Kathy? But we are in a season where we believe we're not leaving the gay church, but we believe we are to go out now. And for It's been since about 2005 that I've done a lot of travel. Actually, 2009, I did a little bit for about three or four months, but I really feel like I'm supposed to at least go out once a month. And that's what I'm trying to fill up my schedule with now, just once a month of, of going out. Uh, I had two back-to-back, -back, which I normally do not do. I haven't done that in a long time. And believe me, it's tiring a little bit um, uh, to go come home for two days and go right back out. It was a long trip, the first one. So the second one was just a little uh, tiring. But uh, I, I don't like not being home for the gay church. Like, I absolutely love, but it, it absolutely is important that I go out. So, number one, I take some of them with me so they get to see other people. And that is vital for them to do that. Um, and I can raise up more people that way. And then they also get, someone gets an opportunity to preach when I'm gone. So it's, that's also good. So keep me in prayer as the Lord does that. I'm not leaving the gate church. Um, uh, these are my people. Um, I will, I'm, I'm going to have that base in Jacksonville always. And I don't use, you know, uh, I love them. Uh, but if you want to sow something for the overseas trips, that's what you're doing. You're partnering with us Then do that. Go to lewisdcn.com and click on the donate button and, uh, and you'll see all the different ways to get. By the way, those are all active links. So you can click on any one of those links and it will take you onto that app or website to give. So I love you and I want to thank you for your giving. I, I, I thank you for it. I want you to know it absolutely does mean something to Kathy and I, your support and your blessing on our life. And we want the blessing to come back to you. And we want God to multiply every seed sown back to you for for, so you have seed to sow, you have bread to eat, and you have the abundance to do what God has called you to do. And if you're called and you know you're called, start sowing seed today. And uh, it'll, your, the provision will be for you down the road as well. I love you. I really, really do. God bless you. You have a fantastic day. And tonight, uh, actually, you're going to get this on Wednesday, unless you hit the podcast. But remember to school the prophets. Join us for that because people are having such a great time. I love you. God bless you. And I will talk to you later. Bye-bye.